Hi, this is Carol Steves, and you're listening to Reality Ranch Podcast. Today is Friday, July 9th, 2021. Welcome to the 34th episode. If this is your first listen to my program, I share the writings of Billy Meyer, Figu, and others. On this program, you will hear interviews and discussions with various people on what has been named the Silent Revolution of Truth. This is an effort through the teaching and the contact notes to free humanity from the overly materialistic thinking, ignorance, overpopulation, and violence largely brought about by religion. From 77 Meditations, Meditation from Clear Visibility, High and Highest Meditation, pages 239 and 240, by Billy Edward Albert Meyer. Number nine, I will always be as good and positive as my thoughts, feelings, and deeds also are. My discussion and interview today is with Delta O'Harkin. Delta just uh, directed and released uh, a film, a, a documentary called The Way to Live, which ties overpopulation and spirituality together and also discusses the role religion plays in our lack of understanding and willingness to see overpopulation. The overpopulation problems um, that we're all facing. Please join me in my discussion with Delta O'Harkin. I guess. Hi, Delta. It's nice to see you. Um, hey. I'm glad we finally nice got to. to yeah, I'm, fi- I'm glad we finally got to do this. And I think it's timely because uh, your new documentary is out, The Way to Live. And from what I can tell, it's been very well received. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, I launched it uh, May 9th, uh, 2021. And there was some hiccups along the way uh, trying to get it launched. Um, I was working on the background on the website and um, there was some last minute editing that we did, uh, but overall, I did a, actually. You, you might know that I did a little pre-launch, which uh, I opened it up to everybody basically uh, that supported the film, and we did a little pre-launch on YouTube, and uh, there was about a thousand people came to watch that. So I was really happy um, that you know a lot of people got to see it, and then. Uh, we put it up on the website following that. And that's where we kind of had a few hiccups. And, uh, but it, yeah, it, it was well received. And, you know, um, I was really happy overall with how it turned out, uh, considering all the limitations, you know. 
Well, you know, yeah. I think whenever it's your first film too. So, and you know how technology is, you're going to have those hiccups. It's just, that's just a part of act of life. And hardly yeah. ever, anything ever goes exactly smoothly the way you want it to. And so let me ask you, what, what made you want to do this film? Um, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, it all came about uh, spontaneously. It wasn't planned, really. I mean, it wasn't something I had this idea and then, you know, for months started working toward it. Um, I guess it goes back to when I found the material in 2013, um, you know, I realized that what I had in front of me was something very special and I wanted to, you know, get it out to the world. So, you know, I was at that time, just after finding it out, I was processing everything and, um, you know, started going to attending some of the meetings. I went up to Arizona, I went to Canada. Um, and after about two years, I think it was, I decided to start uh, a little um, YouTube channel. And I think the original channel was Document Truth. And Document Truth was an idea that I got actually from Michael Horn, not, you know, based off of the challenges that he had. This is kind of a long-winded answer, but... That's all right. Basically, yeah, basically based off of the challenges that Michael was having getting the material into universities, um, I had this idea, you know, why don't I start this YouTube channel called Document Truth? And then I tried to, uh, I tried to get this website up and running. Basic, basically, the idea was to have a website where I would have film competitions, competitions for filmmakers. And I would set, I would create the, um, the theme of the competition. And then they would be environmental based competitions. Um, everything that's related to the concerns that we have on the planet, trying to raise awareness on the various issues that we have on the planet, right? overpopulation, um, you know, and what have you. So I spent two years working on, on this website and it cost me like $6,000. And in the end, uh, it, it just never came to fruition. So that was, uh, that was kind of down and out after that. Um, so then I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to focus on doing interviews. So I started focusing on the overpopulation uh, subject. Uh, I'd done several interviews with uh, overpopulation experts. And um, that developed into nature's way. I started doing, you know, interviews just like yourself, mm -hmm. you know, with some people in the, and I really enjoyed that. Um, and then fast forward to 2018, um, you know, I was playing around with my camera around the property and just, you know, really nothing too serious. Um, but I reached out to Don Snyder. So Don Snyder is a friend of mine, you know, Don. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, hey, do you want to go to uh, Switzerland? And 
and uh, he goes, yeah, let's, I've been looking to go, you know, to Switzerland for years. Uh, we talked about it for a few weeks and we set everything up and basically that's when I got the idea. So it was originally a plan to go to Switzerland just as a vacation. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take this opportunity um, to see if I can get some interviews. So I reached out to Christian and I asked him, hey, would it be possible to get some interviews with some of the uh, core group members there? And he says, yeah, let me see what I can do. He got back to me, said, yes, no problem. And that's where it all started. So it just started out of an idea, spontaneous idea to do some interviews. And that developed into this documentary that we have now. Well, it's a good thing you moved quickly on it because then the pandemic happened. That would have put a real uh, wrench into things. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it really kind of all fell into line um, the way it was supposed to. Uh, in a weird way, it all kind of turned out good because, you know, it got the documentary finished. And of course, everything that we're addressing in the documentary very much relates to the troubled times that we're going through right now. Um, and, you know, the pandemic itself, you could say, is directly related with the overpopulation issue. Um, and then you could say it's also related to people's blindness, not being able to, you know, recognize reality. Uh, so I think it's the timing on it, of it is, is good. You know, the timing of the release is good. Mm -hmm. And the reason to say that is because, you know, of course, when people have had the blinkers on for so long and they're forced to see reality, you know, I think more and more now people are forced to recognize reality, you know, and they're fighting it tooth and nail. They don't want to see, recognize what's going on. But I think as, as uh, they're more and more forced to see what is real, then um, they'll want to have, they'll want answers and that will prompt people uh, to, to begin searching. Um, and what's interesting about that is, you know, when I ask people, and you probably have come across this now because you've done so many interviews, when I ask people, how did you find, how did you find the truth? How did you, what, what initiated that search? And what I often find is people were out of work or they, something happened in their life that something they just had some, they had some downtime. Yeah. But crisis, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's where we're at, you know, unfortunately many people are going through that crisis right now. So um, in a way that ha that can have a positive outcome and uh, the, the film is positioned well for the times that we're in, you know, yeah, I hope um, the it is more accepted in the mainstream eventually, at least part of it, you know what I mean? Even if it's the fringe of the mainstream, you know what I mean? Like there's the mainstream, there's the fringe of the mainstream, and then there's the fringe of the fringe, that's us, <laughs> it seems. And then there's the people that are even more fringe than we are that that look at every single conspiracy and conspiracy theory and think they're all true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's and, that. And that's, that's the, yeah, it's, um, you know, 
the idea, the film, the, the film idea developed and changed. I mean, ultimately I always had this core idea of introducing the material, right? Which is the creation energy teaching, right? Mm -hmm. Which is based on the law of nature. We, we, we know that, but for anybody that might be coming to this material, wonder what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. This, this teaching that is based on the laws of nature. So the, the core of the idea was always to introduce people to that. Um, and how I reached that point kind of uh, changed, you know, over, over the course of the two years that I, two, three years that I worked on making it. Um, the idea was, well, whenever you're, whenever you, whenever you know, okay, you want to introduce people to this material, then the natural question that came behind that was, you know, did I just throw out this shotgun approach and, you know, see, mm -hmm. see how it goes? Or did I kind of target a certain, you know, audience? And I thought, well, it'd be best to target a certain audience. And the question was, well, who, who do I think are also on the path of searching, genuinely searching for the truth. The blinkers are already off to a certain extent and they're looking for the truth. And I had a personal interest, as I think you do, in homesteading, self-sufficiency, um, uh, you know, this, this type of stuff. And I watch quite a few uh, films and documentaries on these uh, people who are endeavoring to live what they think is sustainable. Uh, you know, these permaculture type uh, people, environmental type people. I thought they would be a good audience to target. Uh, they would be receptive to, to this reconnecting with nature. Um, so in 2018, with that, I started reaching out to various environmental homestead type people um, asking would they like to participate in this documentary and of course a, a core of the problem the environmental issues that were or environmental issue that we're trying to uh, direct people's attention to is the overpopulation yeah yeah so basically I thought okay if I'm gonna try and they're just people to this overpopulation issue and the, uh, the teaching which Billy teaches about the laws of nature. Um, you know, what better than to look for people who are already halfway there, they're endeavoring to, you know, look for answers and the truth. So I reached out to these permaculture people and, um, you know, said, would you like to participate in the documentary? And quite a few of them were kind of excited and they were like, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's keep talking about this. And then they would say, well, what's the ultimate goal? What's the ultimate message? And I said, well, look, I'm trying to introduce people. The, 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 te the teaching part, the reconnecting with nature and the laws of nature mm -hmm. was okay, right? But when I started talking about overpopulation, it was like, oh, you know, we don't think that's an issue. Um, so, you know, I didn't want to lie to these people and just, you know, because, okay. Oh, of course not. Part of this... <laughs> you know <laughs> you know it was it was like 
you can't start out that way and, and just kind of, you know, uh, get these people, they participate in the documentary and then start talking about overpopulation and they'd be like, well, we don't get it. So that was a no brainer. Um, so it was back to square one. And um, I thought, you know what? Why don't I see if there's anybody in our community? In that last segment, Delta was saying, why don't I look, find someone in our community we were having a, some technical difficulties, uh, so um, I edited out our, our uh, various struggles to try to hear each other. And then when we got back um, on online, um, he started discussing uh, another topic. I'm making some potato salad. Oh, nice. I love potato salad. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, um, getting off topic on the potato salad. Some my, you know, a lot of people make potato salad, but they add mustard, and I don't like mustard in my potato salad. Uh-huh. I make more of a potato salad that I was raised with. It's basically the same. It's mayonnaise, spring onion, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of salt, pepper, and eggs, and bacon. And now my mouth's watering. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really good, though, actually. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, I like all yeah. kinds of potato salad, but yeah. Yeah. We're always joking around. But, uh, we all love potatoes so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I've got hopefully about three or 400 pounds growing outside. So I'm that's a lot. excited to get, get the harvest. Yeah. I've, I've, Expanded the potato garden this year, uh, put another two or three uh, 30 foot rows in there. So mm-hmm. we'll see how they turn. Um, but uh, so, so back to this, uh, I'm giving you kind of all of these are kind of long winded answers, right? That's, right. Uh, That's fine. You're making my job easy. This, <laughs> yeah. How did the film Not those develop? weird pauses I get sometimes where people run out of things to say and I go, uh. <laughs> Yeah, well, if you give me a, if you give me a, any chance to talk, I'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I need somebody to talk to sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this this is kind of like therapy for me. Um, but anyway, so you know the film developed and and uh, it the initial idea. You know, because when 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 you're looking at a targeted audience, right? Your mm-hmm. the ultimate goal is to get them, of you know, uh, um, what you're trying to raise awareness of. And, um, the people that tend to come to watch permaculture, environmental type films, right? Yeah. Um, they want something feel good. Yeah. The the they're attracted to the visual, right? So um, oftentimes they think that solar power, wind power, um, all these beautiful gardens and everything uh, is, is, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. You cut out for a second, but you're okay. So these, 
people often believe that uh, you know living a sustainable lifestyle is having uh, you know solar power and all these different things. So on the surface, it's it's a visual attractant, right? Mm-hmm. But the re- reality is is that you and I know that um, those things, although they may help us live self sufficiently and and overall, I think they're they're positive. You know move in the right direction they're really not the answer the 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 answer to becoming sustainable is you know controlling our population yes yeah Uh, i i agree with you and i think um uh the i explored the permaculture people the same way you did because you and i have that in common delta that we're homesteaders, so to speak, where we are growing our own food and being as self-sufficient as possible. And I don't know about you, but one of the reasons I did it was because I wanted more to be able to have more control over my life. The more, you know, we farm out to not to have make a pun, but our, our, you know, electricity needs, our food needs, everything out to somebody else, the more they have control over us to get, to get us to do what they want them to do, right? If it's things we don't really wanna do. And I didn't wanna to have to make those hard choices as much as possible. I wanted to be able to still live my life the way I wanna live it. But I found the same thing you did with per- permaculture people that they, I went down that road and I realized they were not addressing overpopulation. So hopefully this will help bring them along some. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, you know, it was kind of like we've we've offered a visual connection. We've offered the, you know, nature getting back to nature narrative, which we all are, you know, in agreement that is is a good thing, right? But yes. we want to connect the dots, and you know, whenever people are watching you and um, Catherine and Michael and Bill on your homesteads. Initially, they're watching this and they're like, this is kind of, you know, what what of, of uh, what we kind of, you know, it, it, on the surface, it looks like these people think that, you know, this is uh, this type, this way of living is the answer. But very quickly, we get into the film and you introduce the reality to them and it's it goes back to overpopulation, and that that is uh, as you know it's it's a subject that doesn't get enough attention, and it really is the core. No, it doesn't, and I think the fact that it's been politicized has really hurt it. Are you still there? Uh oh. Yeah. You're, yeah. Oh well, you're frozen again, and. Yes. So I can hear you um, and you know, mostly this, there you are again. That's weird how it suddenly just click and you're there. So um, anyway, what I was saying was, um, I forgot, I lost my train of thought. Oh no. So, um, oh, um, I don't know. I can't remember what I was saying. So go ahead. <laughs> that's that's all right, that's okay. So yeah. Um, Basically, the film, you know, changed and adapted, but ultimately, the ultimate message in the film um, is is a 
quite introducing the issue, overpopulation issue, and then taking it one step further, um, taking it one step further is introducing the teaching. So I decided in the end, the best thing to do would be to split the film up into two parts. Um, because for most people, the first part of the film is probably enough. Mm -hmm. You know, there's really a lot going on in the first part of the film. Yeah. And then for people that really want to go down that, you know, rabbit hole and are intrigued about the organization, uh, Figu and, and, and its members and what their goals are, then they can go to the second part of the film. Right. Um, yeah. So do you find that people are watching both halves, both sections, or are they just the majority? Are they watching both? So the way that I've been uh, kind of promoting it, uh, I've started with reaching out to the environmental groups, right? Mm -hmm. The uh, overpopulation groups, the, like, let's say the leaders in those organizations. And I'm only sharing the first part of the film. And they're watching the first part of the film. And for the most part, feedback has been good for some people the the religious part has been difficult for them to uh, connect with you know mm -hmm. get behind but reception's been very good so the idea they watch the film they like the film and then they've been sharing it with their audience and then their audience comes to the website the audience watches they purchase the package mm -hmm. uh, they've got part part one and part two i see and have you gotten any feedback from people who have done that uh purchased the package so so yeah, that's kind of been uh the strategy i don't know if that you know made any sense but um i think if if, if i you know everything's in steps um, mm -hmm. and ultimately if I went to these people with both parts, there may be a few people that would be receptive to it, but most of them would be, would, would absolutely, oh. you know, just close, close the door. I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. And funny enough, you know, Karen Schrag, she knows that I have both parts of this film, right? Several people know that I have both parts of the film. And they asked, well, what's the second part about? And I said, well, it's about this, this teaching, which is based on the laws of nature. And, you know, her advice to me, uh, which I was, you know, already in agreement with, was just focus on the first one. Get, because there's already so much in the first one. People are oh, really yeah. find it difficult. Yes. Difficult to start to dissect what they're already seeing. And there's a lot of information in there. Um, but it's, she, she was, you know, she was like very impressed with the message, you know, and how it was uh, weaved together. But she said, look, just focus on the first part. And if they want to see the second part, they can, you know, they'll have access to it right there on your website. They buy the package and, you know, it was the exact same thing. So there's a, there's a focus on the first part and then there's a process. If people want to go through that process, they can, uh, you know, go and watch the second part as well. 
I think that's a good strategy, Delta, because, um, yeah. you know, I, I can think back to, of course, I was ready for this information. You know, I was looking for it, but not everybody is ready for it, as you know. And so it takes, yeah. that's what I was saying earlier when you froze up that um, it's been politicized. That's when I lost my train. I thought I said, I can't remember. Overpopulation has been politicized like so many other things. Once that happens, um, it polarizes people. And when a certain group of people also has this agenda that look, we're for, we're for controlling the population, but they want to do it inhumanely. You know, there's all these scary scenarios of, you know, maybe vaccines that are not just for um, curbing an illness or, you know, viruses that may be released on purpose. People, um, they close down. They don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think like, um, you know, the unfortunate thing is oftentimes a good thing is, is tainted, purposely tainted, um, you know, to confuse. You're gone again, if you can hear me. Um, did, did you lose me again there? I did. Okay, so Sorry, what were you is, saying? Terrible. No, I'm I'm just saying that uh, you know, unfortunately, oftentimes a good thing, you know, is is tainted, you know, mm -hmm. and that that's so often with with many issues, you know, people come with a uh, with an honest message, and then uh, with this cancel culture or whatever, you know. Um, you know, it's only really getting a lot of attention now, this cancel culture, but the cancel culture has been going for, for a long time, you know, oh, anytime yes. anybody had an important, important message, you know, there would be creative ways to, to shut that, nar that, uh, that narrative down, and, you know, through accusations of racism, you know, eugenics, you know, and, and such things, you, you know all about that. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so... You know, I, I was doing a, just a little bit of research. Really, I'm not that well researched when it comes to the environmental, you know, organizations and the various mm -hmm. groups that develop through the years. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I would say I'm not well versed on the history of the environmental movement, but I, I did, a, did a little bit of research. And, you know, from what I understand, the, the environmental movement really began around the 1940s and yes it, the the focus at that time you know not wasn't so much about the population but it was the various um environmental issues that were arising from pollution water pollution environmental pollution so there was a focus there on, on those things and then on the fringes you know there was also people who recognized that the overpopulation issue was directly connected with that because even as far back as in the 1940s, I think the population was uh, around 2 million something. Mm -hmm. So it was, was just, uh, you know, teetering on um, being, being not sustainable, you know, and um, 
so the, this this focus, of course, as the population grew, um, all of these issues became worse and worse. And um, you know, anytime the average person is beginning to recognize the, these issues, the first place they're going to go is to their governmental organizations, right? Yeah. Um, and and you know, say, look we want to do something about this. Look, these animals are going extinct. These waterways are getting polluted. The forests are getting destroyed. Um, and of course, you know, we know our governmental organizations, uh, the last thing they want to really address are these issues. They're more concerned about growth and, and what have you. And, and just, uh, you know, um, empowering and, and, and increasing their own wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, so where I'm going with this is today um, you have this environmental movement, the Friday for Future movement, and there's a focus on climate change. And the original environmental movements kind of focused on the many issues and the environmental, overall environmental destruction, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a big umbrella, a lot of issues that fall under that. But there's been a focus in recent times on climate, and that's really sucked up all the wind from all these other environmental movements. And the government has the, you know, the governments have got behind this Friday for Future movement. Then you have to ask why. And it's almost like there's been a coup. The Friday yeah. for Future movement, if if you ask them. What are your uh, what are your goals? They'll tell you that um, we want more money, you know, put into yeah. this climate crisis, wind energy, solar energy, and all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and and really, that's been a it's a it's a manufactured uh, it's a manufactured um, narrative that people think you know is the solution. But it's not the solution. Um, yeah, and, and hidden behind and, that is, sorry, Delta, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but hidden behind that is the fact that they know we're running out of oil. Right. You know, so that's what those, yeah. why they're putting those into place, not because they care about the environment, but because they know we're running out of oil and they got to keep things going. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when you have uh, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people out demonstrating, you know, who think that they're having a, a very positive impact and more and more people are getting on board and they're putting more and more pressure or they think they're putting more and more pressure on their governments, right? But the governments and those leading organizations have taken advantage of these groups and, and they're like, okay, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, we'll solve your problems. We'll put more money into this, more money into that to solve, you know, the climate, uh, the, the climate change. Um, but of course, you know, that is about taking money and taxes and all that money just goes into these governmental organizations. And it's, it's basically a siphoning off of, of the wealth of, of more people. And uh, it's uh, just putting more, you know, money in the coffers of uh the governments and, and various organizations 
So I'm not telling you anything that you don't already no, know. No, but, but you're telling my I, audience I this, just... though, Delta. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, that, well that's, that's, that's <laughs> Yeah, <it>. so, <laughs> you know, not that's why you're here. <laughs> so, yeah, they want to, you know, the people that listen and, and, to this, and... either if they're new or they're already involved in this, they like hearing it again because it's validating. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of that's the way I see it, and and I think okay, the original environmental movement, even though um, you know there wasn't always a focus on it, you know it should have always from the very beginning been focused on overpopulation or a controlling overpopulation, and you know just like this coronavirus, uh, if we had have taken the right measures early on, if we had educated people. Then we wouldn't be in the place we're in now. If we had, if, if the original environmental movement had a really from the beginning, and I, and I think there was a, there was a push at some point to focus on overpopulation. It was a lot more uh, people were more receptive to it, but there was um, it, it was squelched. Yeah, it, it was squelched. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I um, you know, there's several films out there now, uh, Bright Green Lies, I think it is, is one of them. And there's a, there's a few environmental films out there and they're all very good, you know, but they don't mention the overpopulation issue, you know, and uh, this film is one of the few, if, if not the only documentary out there that really focuses entirely, you know, and very, without any, you know, holds barred about the issue of overpopulation, you know? Yeah, it's got to start somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, it's it's been, uh, well, I, I, I want to, I've thanked everybody, you know, you for have. their support. Yeah. Uh, I have, but, you know, I want to, I want to thank everybody again, take this opportunity to thank okay. you and everybody really got behind this film because um you know it just wouldn't happen without that support and you know my own limitations i'm not a filmmaker um but i guess i could call myself a filmmaker now you are now yes <laughs> but, <laughs> i would say so know, but, uh it's it's been a it's been a wild ride it's been a, a really fun um you know, I, I thrive off of uh, challenges. I really do. That's a good when thing. When somebody tells me, yeah, when somebody tells me you can't do something, because I had several people along the way say, "You're not a filmmaker. Who, who do you think you are? You know, trying to make this film." And did you, uh, really? Did would, you really? Yeah, yeah. And I would just, put, <clears throat> I would just put up the middle finger and just say, "Well, I'm, I'll show you." Yeah, you know, really. I, so I had that determined. That determined attitude, and uh, you know, they're my friends, and they're I, they'll they'll always be my friends. You know, I I I just uh, some of the people that said this, I don't take offense to it. You know, um, I could understand why people would say that. You know, um, because really, I had no right making this film. But what I've what I find interesting, Carol, is that a lot of people that really um, make films that are based entirely on the truth, right? Mm -hmm. and, and an honest message. Oftentimes, those people 
are not filmmakers. Exactly. You know, they don't start out as filmmakers um, because, a, you know, a person who's a trained filmmaker, um, that, that's uh, something that they've got into to make a, make a livelihood from. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, oftentimes, they can't speak about the things that they want to speak about. If they want to, they have to focus on issues that are popular and, you know, that aren't going to rock the boat too much. Otherwise, they won't ever be able to make uh, any money from, you know, the, uh, the industry that they've, um, you know, endeavor to have a career uh, and you know mm-hmm. and um so, so what i what i've seen now uh from you know the more documentaries that i'm coming across are environmental based these people are not filmmakers they're just people who they, they started a project it, it was a passion project and uh they they had the ability to bring together a group of individuals who, who got behind them. And this is, this has been the case with this film, you know, um, people. Yeah. Technology yeah. has allowed yeah. that, you know, that's one of the, the, the positive things of technology is it's allowing people like you to do this kind of thing. Even if you say, I didn't have a right. Well, who says you didn't have a right Delta to make a film, you know, anybody with a camera can make a film. Some are good, some are bad, some are in between. And it's like me, uh, my very, and my, I've never done podcasts <laughs> and they're slowly improving, I think. So, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I think that what you're saying is really important because it's about the message, not the art. And a lot of times with trained yeah. filmmakers, it's about, they, they get so involved, wrapped up in the art of the filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and, and, you know, what I've found is, like, you have to admire that artistic, um, you know, uh, creativeness that, that they bring, oh, the sure. discipline. Mm-hmm. You have to admire the discipline. But sometimes it's to a fault because there's too much focus on the details. And, and I'll tell you, I sent this film out to probably more than five or six different filmmakers Mm -hmm. and and various people and they all came back with a different message not not i mean there was maybe some consistent threads Mm -hmm. but there was often time so uh, um it's a personal thing that's what i've that's what's come through oftentimes it's it's a personal thing you know um and uh so you know sometimes it's to a fault that that professional strictness is is to a fault so for me i was just trying to make it work you know and of course i brought in uh, professionals um, i had prof- well i would say you could say a semi-professional editor and a professional um, uh, videographer um and uh you know that that was really what made the film you know but uh yeah so I guess I guess the the message that I'm trying to get across here is that, is that you know don't uh, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't sell yourself short you know nobody should have, ever sell themselves short and if there's something that you want to speak about you know and you've got a passion about 
um, and you think there's limitations, there's always a way around those limitations. And, and you know, I lucky enough find um, find a way to overcome those limitations. And mm-hmm. and that and that actually, uh, you know, my first trip to to Switzerland in 2018, um, I did you know, the interviews and I bought these cameras and some audio equipment and the audio when I got back was terrible, right? So I was really like embarrassed about that. I was like, ah, this is, you know, the people had said to me, you know, you can't make this work. You're not a filmmaker. It was like, ah, yeah, I'm, they're, they're right. You know, I'm not a filmmaker. And, uh, you know, it was like uh, six months went by and I just woke up one morning and the light bulb went off and it was like, I need to hire a filmmaker. And uh, that was my answer. And that's what I did. I, I started searching. I went on to a website called Upwork mm-hmm. and uh, I, typed, I typed in filmmakers in Switzerland. <laughs> two, filmmakers, two filmmakers popped up. This guy, Cesar, Cesar mm-hmm. and another guy. And uh, I messaged both of them. And I never got any response. I was like, ah, oh. and I'm, I'm only weeks away now from going on my second trip. I'd booked my flight and everything. And uh, about six weeks later, yeah, but, but uh, maybe it was about a month later, I got a message from Cesar. And he's like, hey, are you still looking to make this film? And I said, yeah. And he, so we got talking and, and uh, we arranged that, uh, you know, I took him on board. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so everything, uh, everything about this film, the way it came together, was <laughs> was just up and down. It was a roller coaster, you know. Yeah, well, so how you know? Let, let's um, change gears a little bit because you know we talked about that you found this material. How did you find the teaching that led you to make this film? Yeah, um, so. In 2013, um, I got hip surgery. Oh. Um, and there, there's your, there's your downtime uh-huh. right, that we talked about earlier. Yep. So I, I got hip surgery. Uh, I used to be a bodybuilder, and I had damaged my hips really bad uh, in the early years of, of uh, training. I used to compete and stuff, mm-hmm. and um, I. Uh, Got, uh, got hip surgery. I finally got around to getting hip surgery. And I was just, uh, I was feet up and on the couch. And um, I think I was on some medicine too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't all with it, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh and I just, uh, this memory that my mother had uh, told me about, she had a UFO sighting uh, in Ireland, driving home. She, she's from Dublin. Mm-hmm. She would, uh, we lived in a town called Derry. And uh, she would travel back and forth to see her mother. And she was traveling back to Derry from Dublin. And uh, I guess she was a passenger in the car. and She saw this UFO. And it did a triangular shape, um, you know, darting across the sky. Mm-hmm. So uh, when she got home, she was really fascinated by this. And uh, she uh, went on to the radio and apparently there was reports of this 
from other people than they had mentioned it on the radio. So she was really fascinated by that. And uh, that she told me about that growing up several times. Mm-hmm. And that uh, came into my mind. And, and then I went online and started researching and uh, came across, you know, all the UFO stuff that's out there. Bought a couple of books, one from Richard Dolan and a few others. And uh, for about two weeks, I was caught up in that. And then, you know, luckily enough, I kept searching and I came across Michael Horn's uh, videos. And Michael Horn was talking about uh, Billy, this gentleman, Billy Meyer, and his contacts with an extraterrestrial race called the Play Iron. And uh, yeah, I went down the rabbit hole. So that was it, 2013. And, you know, I've, I've always, I would say, I've always been searching for the truth. You know, um, I, I was just coming off a three-year exploration of Catholicism. My wife and her family are all Catholic. I grew up around Catholics, although my parents weren't um, religious. <clears throat> I grew up around Christianity. And, uh, you know, I was always exploring um, and asking questions. And, and uh, so the time was right for me. You know, I was, I was, I was ripe, you know, for, for the truth. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that was kind of my, kind of my story, how I came to find the material. And the rest is history. <laughs> now yeah, you're that's a filmmaker. It. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, can you imagine that? Yeah, um, you're a farmer. Even, even Michael. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, even Michael Horn. You know, I I don't think Michael Horn was a trained filmmaker either. You know, and he he produced uh, several films, mm-hmm. and all have been very valuable in bringing people to the truth. You know, and yeah. um, you know, any, anybody, and and it's it's really encouraging to see so many people now um, trying to bring attention to this material, you know, because it's, it's very important. It is. And I think the more um, people that are out there bringing the truth, it sure helps balance the untruths and the misinformation that's out there. That's okay. I can always edit it. No, you're okay. Okay. So, um, anyway, um, well, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for this. It took so long for us to get together. <laughs> We've had so many obstacles as far as me and then your stuff and now the technical stuff. But, you know, I run into the technical stuff a lot. So I'm just really patient with it and I just work around it. So you're not the first one. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some really yeah, hopefully you calls. Can, hopefully you can scrub it up a little. Oh, I can. Yeah, no problem. And uh, I'm not really, the audio is easy for me. I haven't done anything with the videos yet because I really need to get some, uh, take one of those little classes on how to use iMovie or something because I'm, it's I'm yeah, really too slow at it otherwise. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even worry about the, the visual for this. I would just use the audio. I'm not, I usually don't. It's just really nice, though. I'm getting to where I, I used to not want to do the visual calls. I was kind of shy in front of the camera. 
but that's kind of going away, you know, the more you do it and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is actually good to be able to see people face to face when you're talking to them. It's nice. Yeah. 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 It's, it's nice to have that option. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, what do you think about um, everything that's developing now with uh, this coronavirus? It doesn't seem like there's an end to it, you know? No, there doesn't. It's a mess. It's a huge mess. I, I, I'm just, you know, just when you think the world can't get any more insane, the way yeah. this is being handled, my mouth falls open. I just, I cannot believe what's happening with the vaccine. All this information that's coming out about the vaccine, which, you know, we kind of expected because we know we, we, we've gotten a general uh, warning about the vaccine. And of course, common sense, if you grow been in this world for any period of time, I can see where maybe really young people might fall for it, but I don't understand how older, the older population, knowing how long it takes us to develop a vaccine that doesn't have terrible side effects, suddenly, magically, <laughs> they're able to develop one that's supposedly safe. Without even the player and war warning us, I just am floored by that lack of of uh, logical thinking. They just want so badly yeah. to go back to normal, I think, Delta, that they're willing to just kind of yeah. go, no, I'm, I'm gonna ignore that, yeah. that, that situation. Yeah, I mean, um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see any, you know, I keep asking, like my wife will say, when, when do you think this is gonna end? You know, know. when are we gonna be able to, kids back to school when are we going to be able to do this or do that or get together with these guys and i feel like a, a bit of a tyrant you know because it's like um i know you know we're we're staying away we're staying away from our family for the most part and they think that i'm a wacko you know this adult is paranoid and this and that and you know we, we've we've um, recently started to let the kids play with the other kids now in the community and you know with the little uh, subdivision neighborhood we're mm -hmm. living in here there's about you know 10 or so young kids their age um, but they have to wear masks and nobody else is wearing masks and um, you know that's that's been going fine you know so we're, we're trying to enter just some normalcy to mm -hmm. our life but we're being judged heavily because of it. And I think, yeah, that's the unfortunate side of it, you know? Yeah, and I'm sure we are too, but because we don't have young kids now, we don't have to have that, you know, it, ours is more, we go into a store and we're the only ones with masks on, you know, a lot yeah. of times. Yeah. There's still usually people in there, but sometimes we are the only ones with that, yeah, that, are, yeah. that are taking precautions. And now with this, um, um, Delta virus from India, you know, making its way through the U.S. and it's more, it's easier to contract and it's uh, more dangerous that, you know, Bill and I are both going, well, we're going to have to be extra careful again. I mean, we we're careful anyway, but just, you know what I mean? It's where you're like it was in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. That's like the restaurant um, theory, you know, so yeah, going we... into the restaurants. They want you to wear a mask in there and then sit yeah. down and take your mask off and eat. I'm just like, I just, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. All right, maybe you'd be fine if you're off in the corner and, you know, you're a good, you know, distance from from people. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, to be, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like no, and a lot of the, I think the food so, people are because they've been vaccinated. I'm sure they're not, uh, and not every restaurant makes their kitchen staff and wear masks when they're in their back there cooking. I would almost bet on that. Some are, some aren't. I bet if you did a poll, yeah. some of them are still. I mean, we actually have a pizza place here. It, luckily, it's the best place in town that's still contactless. You go in in your mask, you pick up your pizza. They don't allow any dine-in. They're smart. So we we buy from them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we've, uh, for a long time there, we were just eating at home and buying mm -hmm. groceries and cooking every day. Um, and then we kind of were like, we wanted a treat, you know. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and uh, it's like, so we 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 ordered once. We're like, this is a one-off, and then we ordered again, and then you know, so it's like we'll order once a week now from a few different places. Uh, we know we're probably taking a bit of a risk, uh, and this is uh, this is the chance you take. You know, I think we all take a little few risks here and there. We do, and that's I guess probably what I meant for us that. Um, we were ordering from other places besides the pizza place, but then we saw more and more that nobody's wearing masks and this new variant's coming through and we're going, okay, so now we're gonna have to tighten back up again and only order from this contactless place, you know, right. for us anyway. And everybody's yeah, yeah. gotta do whatever they feel comfortable with, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, yeah. like at my work, Mm-hmm. Yeah, how is it there anyway? Yeah, so my boss is an anti-masker, so he don't like masks. And okay. our upper boss is anti-masker like masks. Um so you know, I've told them, look, my daughter's got asthma. Mm -hmm. And uh way they're sympathetic, <laughs> you know, because otherwise you're just an idiot, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of worked. Well, you know, I have actually, besides knowing what we know, I have a pretty valid reason for not taking the vaccine besides the, the bad um, reaction I had to the flu vaccine that I shared on the Friends of Billy Meyer group. But a woman recently who has a history of migraines, which I also do, um, you know, because of that, there's usually a, an instability or weakness in your blood vessels, right? Because, you know, that's expansion and contraction is what causes those, the pain. Um, of the blood vessels and she she had a history of migraines takes migraine took migraine medication a woman in her i think 30s and she died of a um you know the the blood vessel rupture in, in her i can't remember the medical term is that, and they, is that an aneurysm yeah it's an aneurysm is that called an aneurysm well i i think it's an aneurysm but they also have another name for it some kind of thrombosis, I think they Blood call blood. it. Yeah, and um, uh, those of us who are have you know prone to migraines, we have a more you know uh, vulnerability to that. And I thought, well, there's a very good reason right there why I shouldn't take the vaccine, and she shouldn't have either. She, they knew her yeah, yeah. her history of migraines, and they gave it to her anyway. So they're being yeah. very careless. Yeah. Um, like it's getting to the point now where it seems various workplaces are enforcing 
you know, mandatory vaccination if you want to be yeah. an employee or whatever. Is that happening you for you? And not yet, but somebody, you know, said it could. And uh, it was like, okay, well, just lie and produce something and say, look, um, I've been vaccinated. But then you open yourself up for if they find out that you're lying, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, should I? Or should I fight them on it and say, you know, I'll take you to court because look, here's the evidence of so many yes. people, you know, just produce the evidence. Look, I, I'm not going to put myself at that risk. Um, so I, I don't know which way I would go, but I, I'll have to explore my options, but I'm not going to be forced on the take a no vaccine. That just, yeah. it gets, yeah. uh, that just drives me nuts. Anybody would try to force me or my family to do anything, you know? Um, and, and I heard of a case recently, just the other day, of, uh, of a nurse that was fired, and it's taken uh, her her um, private uh, practice to court, you know, the high court, because you know she didn't want to take the vaccine. So I think there'll be more and more of that. You know, people are going to revolt against this. I do too, and I think it's good if they do. I think it's good if they stand up to it. And if they can, you know, if that is feasible for them to stand up against it, um, I think that's that's good that to put that pressure on. Because like you said, if you lie about it, I mean, you're gonna probably have to have a vaccine card, right? So you're gonna have to produce that. Yeah. And I guess in, yeah. um, in talking to uh, someone from overseas about this, you know, these people producing fake cards, that's already happening and people are getting busted for the fake cards. And that, you know, could be yeah, yeah. pretty, pretty stringent um, issue with those fake cards, you know, pretty, uh, yeah. and end up in jail. I don't know, um, fines, that kind of thing. I don't know what the, what yeah. the um, outcome of that's going to be. But I kind of suspect, Dalton, maybe you do too. Let me ask you if you think this, that this is kind of going to fall apart with, with so many people becoming ill from the vaccines and more and more of them you know because some of them get become ill initially and then it may take more time for other people to start um, developing illnesses and this stuff with Fauci's emails coming out I think that really hurt the credibility of the uh, whole um, you know coronavirus uh, situation you know coming from a lab before it was people were laughing at that now that's all that people can talk about Everywhere you look, yeah. everyone's talking yeah. about that they get that it came from a lab. Yeah, uh, I think now that uh, there's some discussion about this, uh, I, I don't understand it too much, but we're talking about this spike protein, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it, uh, it uh, uh, affecting every organ in the body. Um, so now, okay, if you have so many people that are, going to have a weakened immune system um, or compromised organs mm -hmm. because of vaccine that are they're they're sitting time bombs and now they come across a combination of this delta virus or the coronavirus <clears throat> you know I, i'd say you know come the winter as we get under winter and winter yeah. and this thing ramps up um i'd say yeah there's going to be people dropping like flies you know um 
And I don't want to say I hope that's going to happen, but oh you know, no, but I, it's, I think, I think it's a consequence. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's kind of like, <clears throat> yeah, because everybody's giving this shit, you know, mm-hmm. you're paranoid that you that. And I'm like, well, the shit's going to, you know, it's going to come back to bite you. And um, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be egg on their face here pretty soon. Yeah, the, the thing with the spike protein, um, they thought it would stay in the muscle, the shoulder muscle. And it yeah. gets into the bloodstream and, you know, we have ACE receptors in our brain and our heart and it t- attaches. And so, which is also what the virus does. So yeah, it's a mess. It really is a mess. And um, so you've got these young, all these young people, these, uh, you know, I keep seeing stories about young people, young guys, young athletes um, having heart problems now after the vaccine. Yeah. So it'll be interesting, you know, we mm-hmm. heard um, talk that they would blame the unvaccinated. Yes, that's one of my concerns. I think that's, that. yeah, that's been taking place, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure that they'll be able to do that. When exactly. There's, you know, evidence that the vaccinations themselves are causing problems and then the Delta virus is... Pretty, yeah. pretty. It, it actually, Delta virus is killing people who've been vaccinated. And yes. Indonesia, I don't know if you read, I have 300 uh, health health workers, right? Yes. Um, because it's a problem now with this Delta virus that were uh, infected with the Delta uh, variant that were fully vaccinated. So there you are, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, in their insanity, I'm sure they're probably going to still try to blame the unvaccinated people but you know yeah, yeah that the, the funny thing about that is okay so if you've got a vaccine that you've developed that's supposedly safe that supposedly you're protected and another variant and they're saying and yes you know some of these doctors are saying oh yeah we think it'll you know we will protect you from the variant some are saying well you'll have a reduced illness um but you'll be okay um what are the vaccinated people so worried about? The unvaccinated people are going to get their due, right? If they're passing it amongst each other. So it's it's just a little strange, the attitude. It's like getting a vaccine for polio and then worrying that you're, you know, going to be around people who are unvaccinated, that they're going to give you polio. What's the point of the vaccine then? The, the point of a vaccine yeah. is to protect you. <laughs> So it's just a little, yeah, it's very illogical. And, uh, and we also don't know, you know, how contagious these, the people who are vaccinated that, that then, you know, get the virus, I would assume just from logic and how things work that they're, they're contagious and they're going to spread that virus probably worse than the unvaccinated people, those of us who are, and I'm talking about the classification of people that understand how serious the coronavirus is we don't want the vaccine and we're protecting ourselves and other people and we're wearing our masks and keeping our distance the people that will be really the problem are the anti-masker anti-virus people yeah 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 that's that's exactly the way i see it Mm -hmm. see like my wife about this you know i don't see how this vaccine uh, okay, maybe 
so whenever the virus gets under your body, it multiplies, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So let's say the vaccine works effect at shutting down that multiplication multiplication of this virus in the body. Right. That's the right way to say it. The multiplying of it. Um, so perhaps that viral load would be smaller, but mm -hmm. it's in their body. They're spreading it. So I see it the same way. And these people now are walking around, no masks. They're yeah. back to normal. And they're actually behaving worse than they did before because now they're just like so arrogant, you know? They are. And uh, look at where the yeah. sporting event you, with 100% people occupation. They're all proud of it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, right now, given that it's the summer and it seems like this virus has um, kind of slowed down a little, they mm -hmm. think that this is a result of the vaccination campaign that the virus has slowed down. But yeah. I think, yeah, there's going to be this rude awakening come winter. Everybody's, you know, loosened up that behavior. Uh, oh, it's, I, it's not going to be good. Yeah, it's, no, it's going to be bad. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's predictable. It's mm -hmm. predictable. Um, it is. So, yeah, we definitely be on our guard. There's no doubt about it. Yep, same here. We're going to hunker down uh, more than even than we are now. You know, we're, we don't, we've given up a lot, as, as I'm sure you have too. And we, we sure we'd like yeah. things to be back to normal, of course, but it's not reality. <laughs> you know, that's when really yeah, you yeah. get to test yourself, isn't it? Uh, as to how loyal you are to the truth and reality is when it's it's uncomfortable or you have to give up things or you know you you know life has to change or something because of the truth because of reality that's when you get to really test it mm -hmm. and say you know how how wedded am i to knowing the truth no matter what this is one of those yeah yeah moments you know like we we have been on guard you know um <clears throat> for you know, as long as this thing has been running around. But, you know, on occasion, we've got together with family. I've gone up to my uncle and, and not worn, worn a mask. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, I'm not going to lie to myself and say, I'm fine. I'm going to tell myself, okay, I'm taking a risk. Of course. And I'm, yeah. being, I'm being, you know, the people that will defend themselves are def trying to defend that behavior. I'm not going to defend that behavior. I'm going to say, mm -hmm. yeah, it was wrong. You know, you do it too often. It's, you know, um, it's for a reason that I'm going there or whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, but there will be people who try to defend that behavior, you know? Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> and I, say, I yeah. But and that's I was, not. And I was think, talking more about the people who are just, when I mean about, you know, being wedded to the truth, I mean, the people that, um, are just, you know, say, yeah, I, I want the truth. You know, those people. And then when you give them the truth, they say, oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's more what I'm talking about. I, I do, I do get what you're saying because we've even taken a few very small risks and we know yeah. that we knew they were risks, you know? Yeah. 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 And it doesn't mean, mean you need to, you know, somebody will say, well, you took a risk over here. Um, and it's like, yeah, I took a risk, but I'm not going to open the floodgates, you know, no, exactly. it's a controlled, yes. controlled risk and, and you know, every now and again. Yeah. But, 
we don't need to drop everything now because you know we took a risk over here um i know it's, it's just, like it's when we wanted stupid, to you know, you travel can... out to see you know when we were looking at building a cabin instead of going with a more fireproof home on our property and we wanted to see you guys when we were yeah. you know going to come out that way and we then we saw what was happening and we went yeah maybe we better wait because we were willing to take that risk when we thought the virus was a certain point and then when i saw what was happening um i went yeah probably not you know i'm glad i didn't because everything's opened up and people are running around without masks on and so it's actually more dangerous for those of us because i take a risk when i go in public now even though i have a mask on because other people aren't wearing them <laughs> it's it's more yeah, risk yeah. now than it was before actually yeah because yeah, they're really all that, and there's the vaccinated people and then there's the liars <laughs> who are saying <laughs> they're the yeah. most dangerous ones they're the ones running around with no mask on and um saying that they've been vaccinated you know they're they're the worst i think yeah. because it does sound yeah. like yeah really at some risk i mean at a great risk that maybe the vaccine is reducing people's the transmission you know reducing it seems like it is somewhat that's my impression anyway that it may be helping somewhat yeah. but but the trade-off is too big it's too big a price to pay right bottom line yeah yeah i mean there must must be some effectiveness uh genuine effectiveness i, I yeah, think it's, so it's about the trade-off yeah it's too big yeah at, at uh, what cost yeah but, Chris uh, martinson did a show his when he's finally back talking about this and one of his shows, he said, yeah, the virus, the vaccine seems pretty safe. I thought, oh, Chris, you know, he's analyzing it himself and this is his opinion, but I was, I was a little dismayed that he was saying it still needs more research. Good that he said that, but I think it, he said, I think it's pretty safe. And I'm just like, oh, I, I was really, and now he, I haven't watched any of his, his uh, videos since then. But, it, but now the Fauci emails came out and stuff, and I think maybe he might be rethinking his position a bit. I haven't watched to see, just by some of the headlines I've seen on some of his videos. But I haven't had time to watch them, so I don't yeah. know. It's the nature of, uh, you know, people say, well, our technology is better now. We're able to uh, calculate out, um, you know, further and, and, and pre predictable, uh, you know, provide predictable results. And it's like, okay, but you really can't, there's nothing that um, will give you results like time, real time, yes. right? And, you know, 10 or 15 minute period that, that, that it requires for sufficient testing um, is, is what is required. You know, we look at everything in, in very uh, short periods of time, mm -hmm. and, but there's block of time that really provides information and that's the only way. And otherwise, yeah. you know, anybody saying, well, it looks like it's okay, but you're always gonna have that factor of time that that uh, it takes for our bodies to to react to certain things. And um, exactly. So yeah. I, well, I, look I, at all the things they've been trying to AIDS. They're still struggling with that. They're still struggling with so many illnesses, getting good vaccines for, for these that are safe. And yet they haven't been able to crack those yet, but they crack this, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I just, it's so it'll be interesting. And yeah. uh, like Billy says, those people who, um, 
take precautions will come out on top and that 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 was very hard uh, comments to read you know yes i'm going to read an excerpt from the mind of the thoughts this is page 174 if a human being wants to dissolve shades of grief sorrow unpeace or misery or lovelessness then he or she finds only the right comfort solely in his or her thoughts and in the feelings formed as a result of them. The form of one's thoughts has only to be steered in the correct kind and wise in order for them to flow along in friendliness, love, and peace. However, to that end, it is necessary that the actual truth is seen, recognized, and understood because it alone creates peace, freedom, love, and well-being in the human being's thoughts. Therefore, whoever in knowledge and wisdom recognizes while in distress, grief, sorrow, unpeace, lovelessness, unfreedom and misery and so forth, the truthly truth, love, effective peace, real inner freedom and harmony, and forms his or her thoughts accordingly, will clearly recognize the victory over himself or herself and thereby also over his or her thoughts and feelings. However, whoever constantly tends, nurtures, and correspondingly lives the thoughts of negation, of bad will, of stirring up trouble, of selfishness, as well as egoism and egotism, mistrust, envy, cynicism, thoughts born of being a wiseacre, imperiousness, vice, and any other assertung, enslaves him or herself and confines him or herself to a self-created imprisonment. But any human being who, above all, thinks, tends, and nurtures that which is good, right, positive, peaceful and joyful, free and harmonious, and who is friendly in the correct measure to each and every one, brings him or herself the abundance of the peace, the love and joy, and the harmony itself. Whoever patiently learns the truth in correctness and makes the effect to form knowledge and wisdom in himself or herself and to find also that which is good and positive in all things in life and in all situations and events as well as deeds and experiences and so forth will acquire altruistic features as a result of which the gates of heaven open up to him or her as the old saying goes, and whoever thinks of peace, love, joy, freedom, and harmony for his or her fellow human beings and all creatures every single day will ultimately bring all these values to himself or herself in great abundance. The Mind of the Thoughts was written by Billy Edward Albert Meyer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Reality Ranch Podcast. I would like to thank the various people who have had their hand in making this podcast possible. They may not know it, but they do because I access 
the translations from the various groups and websites. And without my guests, this wouldn't this uh, podcast wouldn't be possible. And so I really appreciate those who are um, joining me in my discussions and um, helping to raise awareness on these different issues. And also, I want to give a special thanks to those people who actually share and support my podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And until next time, Salome.